1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Um, You may notice on our branding that we have some new faces. Um, We're going to officially recognize some of my co-hosts who you've heard many times before um, as hosting the show and moving away from the idea that it's hosted by me with them as guest hosts, so you want to check that out. And We're also adding a new host to the show, Shannon Vasconcelos, who frequently comes on and does the Listener Q&A with me is being promoted to full-fledged host, and so you're going to start to see her hosting some of our shows moving forward. Hope we're going to present the same great content that we always do, just kind of acknowledging that there are a whole lot more people involved in hosting the show than just me uh, moving forward. So I hope you all enjoy it. Um, today's show, we are talking mostly summer. Um, I live at a ski resort. I'm looking at a mountain covered in snow right now, and I'm liking that because I like to ski. However... I am dying for it to finally be summer here pretty soon. And, uh, I'm ready to talk about it and dream that it's going to be summer sooner than it probably is in reality up here in Maine. Um, But before we get to that, we are very excited. I'm very excited today to welcome um, a high school student to the show. We don't have them on the show very often, Um, but she's going to be sharing her story about how she um, started and runs her own project. Um, So, And the student is Michelle Wasserman. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you.
2: Thanks
1: for having me. Absolutely. So, we were actually chatting before the show and you were asking if we mostly interview high school students. And I said, no. And I think that the last high school student we had on the show might have been my son, although I'm not, I'm not sure we may have had another one since then, but it is always fun when we have high school students on the show since this is all about you guys. Um, So Michelle is a senior at Great Neck North, excuse me, in Long Island. Um, And Michelle, you created Dance for Joy. And tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah.
2: So Dance for Joy is a program I've created Um, definitely with the help of the owner of the dance studio I dance at, which I think is some important background context is that I dance um, six days a week for hours professionally um, in a studio in Port Washington, which is just two towns away from me. And dance for joy is a class I created at the height of the pandemic um, that just gave students and parents who could not afford to send their dancers to dance studio for classes, an opportunity to dance for free and, So just truly have fun because to me, dance is joyful, which that's where my name comes from. And I want to be able to share that the gift of dancing and expression through dance with other people that might not have the same opportunities that um, everyone does.
1: Got it. Okay. So I I love that. Um, But, and you mentioned that kind of the timing for it was at the height of the pandemic. So, you know, how did it come to pass that this is when you decided to launch this project?
2: Yeah, so as many students, probably all across America and the world, were learning on Zoom, it was very unmotivating. I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but I'm sure a lot of people felt super unmotivated and bored just going in between class to class on Zoom and joining different Zoom links. So I got thinking, um, what what is something I can do to give back and to help others? And especially during this time when so many um, people lost their jobs, mm-hmm. what's a way that I can give back by also having fun myself? And enjoying the process too, because this was a really big time commitment and still is. So I wanted to make sure I was enjoying everything while also giving back. Um, so I was taking a dance class on zoom and I started thinking, I just love dance so much and I want to help others. Like I mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. in the beginning it was a little bit hard because of all the restrictions with COVID, but, um, the second year, so the 2020, so 2021, um, is when my idea started coming to fruition. I reached out to many different dance studios, um, because at first my dance studio rejected my idea just because of limited funding. Right. Uh, And it was really hard to get many students. I mean, many dance studios to fund this program because it is expensive and they're donating the studio space and so much more. But, um, I didn't give up. I was very persistent and I reached out to the studio. I danced at again and they said, yes. Um,
1: How'd you convince them to say yes?
2: So I had to come up with a business proposal, um, write a whole uh, paragraph essay type formatted um, paper. Mm -hmm. And I had to come up with, I just had to write out all my plans, how I was going to market the class, how I can raise money for the class, how I was going to get students to join, how I'm going to plan the class um, from something as small as ballet shoes to playlists to funding. It was all listed out on this proposal and that, that convinced them.
1: Got it. So did you end up doing it just at your dance studio or did you get some other dance studios to agree to it as well?
2: So no other dance studio agreed with it throughout my whole entire town um, and neighboring towns, except for my dance studio, which I'm really happy about because I already have such a deep connection with all the faculty and students at the studio. And um, this program, I really belongs at Bear Ass Dance Studio, which is the studio where I did that.
1: Got it. And just so that everyone, um, all of our listeners are clear. So you came up with the idea during the pandemic, but it wasn't an online dance program. It was a real dance classes in person at your studio.
2: Yeah. So the idea came up, like I thought of the idea during the pandemic, but it took so much time to plan and to figure out all the little um, details. So the class actually just launched last September. Got so, it. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so you mentioned that you had to come up with a business plan. How did you even know how to go about that?
2: So I'm the vice president of the club, DECA, mm-hmm. um, business club. I'm sure many students listening or parents know about it. It's very well known. Um, so I, I have like a lot of training in business through competition times and also just taking college marketing and management through my school. So I have a little bit of experience with that, and um, I just love being super creative and thinking of all these marketing ideas and how we can best reach our target market, which in this case was the dancers' moms mm-hmm. and parents, sorry, and um, and the dancers themselves, which was also challenging because I wanted to make sure that we wouldn't insult anyone by advertising a free-of-charge philanthropic dance class, but also make sure that the right people were receiving this and not someone that was taking advantage of the free classes
1: right right you wanted the people who truly needed the free classes to be able to take them right not just oh it's free i'll do it even though their parents could have afforded it or maybe even they could have afforded it got it how did you do that i'm just curious because that sounds difficult
2: yeah i think that was the most challenging part aside from actually teaching the class um was making sure i reached all the right people and my first step was to reach out to local churches synagogues um all the elementary school guidance counselors that um, knew this information about the pa- the students and the parents, and mm-hmm. that was the best way. And also, a lot of the moms um, reached out to me and gave me other moms' information that they knew would um, appreciate the class. So a lot from the schools, churches, synagogues, and other moms.
1: And were you targeting a specific age group, or how did you decide on that piece?
2: Yeah, so I've been dancing since I've been – barely able to walk. So I can, I can dance pretty well and I can teach pretty well, but I also wanted to make sure I was significantly older than my students. So um, they were third to fifth grade.
1: Okay. Got it. So you were targeting that age range. So you narrow things down. I love that you were using some skills. So you had two things that you enjoyed doing, right? You had dance and you had DECA and you brought those two things together for this idea. And My message to the people out there listening is, this is where a great project comes from. It's not something that you say, oh, I need to start a club. And it's kind of not, it's disconnected from everything else that you do. You always want to look first at, Like you said, too, I think earlier, you love to dance and you wanted this to be fun. The project's not going to be successful or it's certainly not going to be as successful if it's sort of just something you're doing because it's good for your college applications versus something you're doing because you really have an interest in it. And in your case, it really brought together these two interests, business and dance, um, with a third key goal, which is doing something for your community, doing something locally. And I think that for me also stands out because a lot of students do community service. They go down to the soup kitchen or they go and they take an expensive trip and they build a house somewhere. And I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. They're definitely not bad. They're they're things that people do that help the world and or the community. And that, that's great. But what feels more powerful about this is that it's really so important to you and you are bringing something to community that really represents something of yourself. And again, all of those things together is very, um, if I put on my admissions hat, that's the kind of stuff that starts to make you go, oh, wow, that's really cool. That's pretty impressive stuff. So, well done on your part. You. Um and how you you mentioned that you had the idea during the pandemic, and you just started teaching the first class. What was the total time frame to take you from, you know, the concept to actual execution? Um, I'd say probably four months. Okay. So a decent amount of time, it wasn't like you had the idea. And then two days later, you were up and running with your class. No,
2: because also a big chunk of the time went to just reaching out to all the studios and trying to get them to um, accept my offer. And
1: right. Idea. Well, and the another big piece that I'm taking away, too, is you don't always take no for an answer, right? So your studio said no. You went everywhere else. Everybody else said no. And at what, that, that point, did you kind of take a step back and how did you reapproach your studio? What was new about what you did the second time around?
2: So what was new is they mentioned that the problem of why they couldn't have this class is the funding issues. So, um, I reached out to the, again, I reached out to my studio again with ideas of how we could fund the class.
1: Got it. And what new was, way. what were those solutions? How did you um, come up with fundraising and stuff?
2: So for, um, just attire, um, I reached out to all of the different students at my dance studio because we have donation bins just within our studio. Because you go through leotards and ballet shoes really quickly mm-hmm. and throw out of them so quickly too. So all of the attire that all the students wore was lightly worn attire from other students, which okay. a tremendous amount of money. Um, and the studio space, we just reached out for donations from everyone in our studio, everyone in the area. Um, That was for the first year, the second year, which I taught this class again this year, this um, fall. Um, Newsday wrote an article about the dance program, and we got a a tremendous amount of donations through that, which was super, super helpful.
1: Amazing. So how many students did you start with and where are you at now?
2: So I started with eight students. um, And just because it's myself teaching it, the first year was just myself. It stayed at eight students, but this year we had 10 um, and then I had another dancer help me.
1: Got it. And you are going to graduate. You're a senior. You have, what, two months left before it's all over and you go on to the next step. What happens when you leave?
2: So actually, I was just speaking with the owner of my studio about it this past week. Um, I, we both chose two dancers that we think are super passionate about dance, super giving, loving, and are great dancers to teach this class next year. So um, we're in the process of training them and teaching them how to advertise and teach the actual class itself and how to address different situations.
1: Got it. So when you started this, was your thought that this would live on after you graduated? Or was that not really in your head at that point?
2: I did not think it would get to where it is now. Um, I just thought this was going to be a one, one-time class that I taught. But then the owner of my studio asked me to teach it again. And she loved this class so much that we're continuing it for as long as we can.
1: I love that too. And what's great about that is you're leaving a legacy. And so, you know, it really you're maximizing the impact because if you help a third grader learn to dance in when they're in third grade and they love it, they're going to want to keep doing it in fourth. And so it's nice that this program will exist and allow them to, to keep doing that. So that's really exciting.
2: Also, just to add on to what you said, um, hearts. Um, It's a foundation in Port Washington, um, donated a tremendous amount of money for the dancers that I taught to continue dancing in my studio. So I taught them the basics, but now they're able to dance with the other girls that are at their age level and continue dancing and perform at all the shows, which I think is super rewarding because their lessons don't just end after my class ends. They can continue to show off their
1: skills. Yeah, that is really exciting. So congratulations to you. I love this. And and I really appreciate you joining the show and, and sharing your story.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. Any, before, actually, before we wrap up, I just thought of one other question. Any advice that you would give to a student who's listening and thinking, oh, you know, I'd love to do something similar, whether it's in dance or something completely unrelated. Any advice that you have for them?
2: Yeah, I think my number one piece of advice is, to make sure that you're really passionate about what you're doing and enjoying every step of the process because it's definitely not easy and it's very long, but I enjoyed every minute of it, and I think it really motivated me to continue and also to be really persistent and to not give up.
1: I love it. It's great advice. Michelle, thanks so much for joining. Um, We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about summer jobs, so don't go away.
0: voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts college admissions can be stressful Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to... GettingIn.VoiceAmerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're going to be talking about summer for the next two segments. I'm very excited about this. There's a snowstorm coming this Saturday where I'm living. We're going to get five to eight inches. But summer is going to come eventually. So I'm excited about this. Um, joining me to talk about summer jobs is my colleague, Alex Gonzalez. He's a former financial aid officer at the University of Portland. Hi, Alex. Hi. Well, so we're talking summer and specifically summer jobs. And so, my first question for you is um, you know, there are certainly lots of opportunities for students to get jobs out there. I think we often think about very traditional jobs, you know, like working at a supermarket or Mm -hmm. maybe working at McDonald's, but there are probably more opportunities out there than just that. Um, so what's your advice on where students should start looking for job opportunities?
3: Well, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I am ready for summer as well. Um, <laughs> it is cold here. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there is, there's so many different opportunities and so many different places when I, yeah. Uh, you know, Back in the day, I thought like, oh, I'm going to go and look in the newspaper. I'm going to walk around aimlessly yes. and look, you know, and see um, if people are hiring there. Um, those are all strategies that you could continue to do. Um, you know, help wanted signs are, are are prevalent in especially kind of areas where tourists or restaurants or those kind of things um, or small shops. But I found that when I've talked to students about where they're getting their their student jobs, it's sometimes it's social media. Business will, will post um, pictures of saying, hey, we're hiring, you know, and a link to their, their website um, via their social media standpoint. Um, there are some job searches as well. Um, Indeed is one of them. There are kind of Craigslist, you know, there are all these different places where you can find uh, different types of job postings that are seasonal, um, um, it, and 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 their website as well. What I've found that um, just reading applications this year mm-hmm. is is um, a lot of students are taking advantage of the gig economy. Interesting. Uber, Uber Eats, Go in, uh, Instacart, like places where maybe you know they're not driving. Um, like like an Uber where they're bringing in customers, but they're going and doing tasks. They're using TaskRabbit. They might uh, help with um, like Ikea furniture or moving or other things, things that are on their own time as well. So they might be taking some summer courses. They might have some flexibility. You might have some summer vacations, but this is something that you can do um, when you have time available and still uh, make some money.
1: So. I legitimately, until you just said that, I had never even thought about that as an option for high school students, and yet, I mean, I don't have a high school student anymore, but I do have a college freshman, and I was thinking, huh, he's great at putting IKEA furniture together, like, he could do something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good, um, I'm excited because I have an idea to give to him, which I'm sure he'll very much appreciate when he gets home. But um <laughs> but I have an idea to give to him for some summer job op- ideas. But also, I think these are great for our listeners too. Um I also used to look in the newspaper. I mean, the newspaper. I don't think that's really an option anymore. It doesn't <laughs> feel like one. But I also remember just driving around and putting in an application at like, local restaurants and other places and hoping that they were hiring. Even I just remember going in and saying, are you hiring for the summer and then filling out an application? Not my favorite time. So it's always nice if you know in advance that they're hiring. And oftentimes these days, like the applications themselves are online. So it certainly makes it a lot easier. Um, what's What's your sense on timing of when students need to be doing this?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think right about now, um, you're seeing a lot of, well, some city jobs that are being posted for the season. Um, um, County, like... um, Federal jobs that are seasonal. So, if you're looking at, you know, being a park ranger or working with an after-school program, um, right now is when they're trying to get their pool of applicants to review, so that once school ends and those camps begin, they start. So, ha- being kind of in that front of the line, talking a little bit about that, that's when, um, or right after spring break is is another great time. Um, because that's when job uh, businesses are shifting their mode to that summer uh, uh, summer busy season.
1: Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, sometimes, you know, camps, one thing that comes to my mind is camps. And they often have already hired their their staff for the year. So, if you're thinking, oh, I'd love to do a summer camp, you might find that they've already done the hiring. However... It's not uncommon for them to have a summer melt, right? So yeah. they think they've hired everybody then all of a sudden someone says, oh yeah, I got, uh, my dad got me a a job at the bank. And so now I'm going to do that. It pays me more. And it's related to my career. And now they don't have that counselor for that age, the five-year-olds and here you are, hey, are you still hiring? Or they have your resume on file. You filed it a little late. So even Mm -hmm. if you're feeling like, oh, those jobs have all been filled. I don't think it would hurt to put in an application because you never know who they're going to lose between now and the start of summer.
3: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you also brought up another point, ask family, family, friends. uh, They're going to, they're out in the world, they're working. Um, There might be opportunities where you get to uh, work for a family business or a friend of a friend is hiring as well. Those are all great networking opportunities um for future jobs,
1: right. I know that my son had a job at a supermarket, and he knew, someone who was working there who connected him to his boss and then when he was working there he brought in three other students um, who were friends of his over time and you know the supermarket was thrilled to have them because they couldn't get enough teenagers in the door to do everything that they needed to be that they needed done so it is such good advice right talk to your friends talk to your family i know people or students will say, well, we don't know anybody, but you'd be surprised. Your mm-hmm. teachers could know people. Yeah. Um, I remember teachers recommending, oh, I have this friend, he owns this camp and I've had your son in class. He'd be a great counselor. So it puts you at the front of the line, right? And that's Unfortunately, unfortunately, probably, unfortunately, sometimes, but this is oftentimes how the world works. So, you know, take advantage of your network. Don't walk, Don't sit around where everybody else takes advantage of it. You also yeah. should take advantage of your own network because okay. it is there. Yeah. What What are you? You know, we didn't, and maybe we should have started here, but we're here now. So, what does it matter? Um, <laughs> Well, you know, we talk about summer and in our next segment, we're going to be talking about other things that students can be doing with their summer aside from a job. I am a massive fan of a summer job, probably not least of which is because I also worked every summer as soon as I was old enough. But what do you see as a reason why summer jobs are important for students?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And and there's a lot of different reasons. One, right out of the gate you're saving money, you're earning money that you can use um, for kind of, you know, saving big ticket items. You can save, help save for college as well. Students can utilize those money, that those dollars. Think about it as you're creating your own scholarship that you can (laughs) use uh, to pay for books, for personal expenses, um, you know, maybe help out with tuition or your living expenses as well. Pay for utilities or a couple of months of of, um, of rent if you're living off campus, but what does it do? It builds time management skills. Um, think about when you were in high school, you went to school six hours a day in college. It's going to be six hours a week. There's going to be a lot of down. Yes. Having that skills that, yeah, that time management motor, like running because, you're going to have to start compartmentalizing your day so that you, you it doesn't all pile up. Um, develop, develop skills that are, they're not taught in the classroom, your experience, your spiritual learning, your problem solving, communication, diffusing situations, uh, regardless of what you're doing, you know, you're communicating and, and working through conflict and opportunities, but, Also, kind of alluding to that idea of your network creates your next opportunity, I I think that the experience that you're cultivating now really creates more opportunities and more experiences where you get to identify different opportunities in a faster manner. Uh, You can advocate for yourself for another opportunity. And these are great places to practice. Um, So when you are off in your, with your degree, ready to go, hitting the ground running, you know, in the real world, as they like to call it, you know, uh, you have those soft skills and that experience that you can draw from and feel confident.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that for a lot of my summer jobs, what I learned was, this is not how I want to make a living, right? I didn't want, I worked in restaurants, I you know, was a cocktail waitress. I did a lot of different things that I earned good money doing, but I knew for me to be happy in my work, in my career, this was definitely not it. Service industry was not for me. But there are students who will do that and say, this is great and go on and study hospitality management and make a career out of it. So, um, you know, it's a great experience to try different things and figure out, like, I think you were just saying, you know, different skills that you're building and also, you know, recognizing, ooh, I'm really good at this. Yeah. Whatever I do for a living, it would be great if included this. And you, you'd be surprised what you can learn just... Again, drawing on some of the, the jobs that I know, both my stepson and my son worked in a supermarket and they did all the different jobs that you can do as a teenager there, including running the service desk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a certain element that my stepson really enjoyed about the service desk, the counting the money at the end of the night and, you know, settling things up, making sure all the cash registers had, you know, what they were supposed to have. And he is now an accountant. Go figure. Yeah. I'm not sure he would make that connection, but um, you can make that connection if you're thinking about it. And he's very happy as an accountant. So, um, I think there's a connection there. But
3: yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and sometimes though, you don't realize it. You enjoy it or you're, you're drawn to it for a reason. And sometimes you just don't know why that reason is. It's that sense of accomplishment. It's that sense of finality and, and um, a summer job can make that happen. Even if you're scooping ice cream, right? You know,
1: well, and you know, you're learning to navigate the world without your parents doing it for you in a perfect world, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're scooping ice cream, you're probably not doing that for your mom or for your dad. You're doing that for a different boss and learning what that relationship is like is definitely different than the ones you've had. And it's different than what you've had with your teachers. They're paying you real money and they expect you to do the job and do it in a certain way. And I think it's a really valuable skill set. And I notice, you know, again, I, I hate to ever make a blanket statement that you must do X, Y, or Z because there are no blanket statements, but it is valuable when students have a job. And I am a big fan of it. And I think it could be valuable in the admissions process as well. So- Oh, definitely. I do want to touch on, you know, at the start, we mentioned that you're a former financial aid officer and there is a financial component to this. You're going to earn money, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, people, there are a lot of sort of myths out there and things that float around. So does a summer job affect a student's financial aid? Is that true? Or, you know, what can you share with us about that?
3: So... So there's definitely never any absolutes in financial aid, but Mm -hmm. I would lean towards that in most cases, it's not going to affect your financial aid. So merit scholarships, those are tied to your experiences, your academics, those have nothing to do with with your family, typically have nothing to do with your family's ability to pay or your, your financial aid a need analysis so so in in certain cases a job i'm sitting on some scholarship review committees Mm -hmm. having a job is one of those tenants that we are kind of adding into that rubric of you know does this student deserve this scholarship or will they be successful Mm -hmm. um so it can really have a positive impact um with need based financial aid most likely not if unless you're working 40 hours a week with above minimum wage jobs for an extended period and an extended period I would say beyond 3 months mm-hmm. that is really where you 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 get to the point where we need to sit down and kind of say let's work with a financial aid office or or work with an expert to kind of figure out am i really Am I losing something in my financial aid? But most colleges provide an allowance. So so an expectation that your student's working, and there's an allowance um, in the financial aid forms up to $8,000 where you can earn and it has no impact on... Um, your financial aid. Really
1: right. And if you're doing a job that's more than 40 hours at higher than minimum wage for longer than three months, is it really a summer job, it's right? It probably isn't.
3: <laughs> it's not a summer job. I did some math. I was like, whoa, you'd have to really, uh, um, you know, be working a lot to, yeah. and, and earning a lot.
1: Yeah, job. got it. All right. Alex, thank you so much for joining the show today. I really appreciate it. Always oh, a pleasure. Thanks. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more summer, more opportunities, more um, of the different types of activities that students can do with that time. So don't go away.
0: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Getting in a College Coach Conversation. We are talking all things summer, and I think somewhere in the back of my mind, my hope is that in these conversations, we are somehow willing it to come. But up here in Maine, it probably will not arrive until, ooh, I don't know, June. So I've got a little ways to go. But joining me for our final segment on things that students can be doing with their summers. We just talked a lot about summer jobs, but there are a wide variety of things people can do is my colleague Michael Yeager. He's a former admissions officer at Wheaton and St. Lawrence colleges. Um, He's also a former school counselor um, at the Baldwin School of Puerto Rico and Fort Worth Country Day. So he has worked with students, seen it in applications, but then also talked to students about what they're going to do with their summers for a good long while now. Makes him the perfect expert for this. Hi, Michael.
4: Hi, how you doing? Good, July. thanks. Maybe July is safe in Maine for summer, probably. Yeah,
1: I know. Please, thank you. I'm I'm holding out hope for June, but you're right. It's probably more like July. All right, well, my first question for you is a pretty basic one, and that is, you know, what do colleges want to see students doing with their summer?
4: Yeah, great question. Something. Something <laughs> is, like, the best yes. answer, probably. And they, their students will have a, a ton of options, and sometimes – that can be part of the problem is just looking out there and seeing like, all right, what the heck do I do with my summer? And there are, there are a lot of things. Students can do something that's more structured, that's prepackaged. Think of your you know, academic program where you're gone for two or three or four weeks or your sports camp where you have two weeks with your team camp or maybe you have an individual, your like band camps. There are a lot of things out there that students can just grab onto and, and have that experience. Employment. The you know the yeah. old man in me says like go get a job. I can hear you know my dad say that when <laughs> when it yeah. approached time, you know as we were getting close to the summer, go get a job. And that that's certainly an option. Probably more for the older students, ninth you know students that are rising ninth graders, rising tenth graders. They may not have that luxury depending on their state laws or um, or just the opportunity to do it time wise. Uh, so you know going out, finding employment, finding an internship, those are great opportunities. Volunteering is another big thing in particular for younger students, you know, that may not have access to some of these programs because of age restrictions or employment, like going out and volunteering in their community is a great way to not only get involved, but also to see, you know, maybe you're testing out professional interests. You get involved in volunteering for something that's related to the medical field because you feel like that, that may be a strength for you. So there's, there's a lot of great things that you can do locally in your community or students that create their own opportunity. And this is something that that I talked to my students as a high school counselor about, you know, they maybe they had some ideas of what they wanted to do. And I said, why don't you just create a proposal, ask your parents for the money or ask a business for the money, like get creative here and see if you can fund this experience, if it is going to cost a whole lot of money.
1: Mm -hmm. Love it. I mean, so that's. There are really so many things students can do and I'm with you on the getting a job front and by now our listeners are like, okay, we got it, Beth. You think a job is really valuable because I just spent a whole segment talking about how valuable I think it is. Um, but uh, putting the jobs strictly jobs to the side um how do you go about figuring out who you are right what's the best option for you um and if you know a lot of ninth graders tenth graders are sort of like i don't know what i want to do with my summer i think i'd like to go to the beach or i'd like to sit in my basement and play more video games um as a parent i know that's something i hear from parents so what's your advice on figuring out what else a student can do
4: yeah that would be right qu- for them. Yeah, sorry. Great question. And right now is the the perfect time to engage with that student and not waiting until we get to, you know, the end of the school year when they have APs and they have, you know, they may have a lot of things going on final exams, things that they're closing out for the year. The big part of summer for me has always been meeting with students and really assessing like what is your story right now? Where are your strengths? Where are areas that you want to improve? What are things that you're curious about? sitting down and doing a really good self-assessment at this point in March before you have to make potentially decisions or deposits on what you're doing with the summer is critical. When you get to the place of a college application, you're really telling your story. And so what do you what do you want it to be a part of that you're, you know, an incredible intellectual and you've attended all these different academic programs and you have research that you want to demonstrate through your college application is it that you're you know, an incredible leader and that you've demonstrated that through athletics. Maybe summer is an opportunity now to do a leadership program and build those skills, so you can become a captain of that team or so you can take on a new role when you come back to school. And so in the spring, it's a really great time to do a lot of self-assessment and goal setting. Uh, And I, I think students that are able to do that You know, you may have multiple options over the summer, so you don't have to pick just one prepackaged program. You may be doing, you know, test prep. You may be doing a structured program and you may be working a part time job on, on the evenings and on the weekends. And so but knowing which areas you want to improve and how you want to tell your story is going to be an important part of the process for students right now.
1: Yeah. And I want to second the idea of, you know, areas you're looking to improve or maybe learn more about. Um, I, I will have students sometimes come to me, oh, I just want to, I want to take a class in what? Well, I don't care, but I thought it'd be really cool to take a class at Brown or a class at Cornell or, you know, name the very well-known name brand institution. And, you know, my response there is always, well, we already know how you do school. So what else? And while I'm not, I'm definitely not against those programs, although they do tend to be really pricey, you should be exploring something rather than simply, I want to take a class and show that I can do well in this class at this school, right? So I love the programs. One of the things I'm a big fan of, future engineers, do some type of an, an, an engineering exploration program because A, you might discover, oh, I'm good at math and science, but this engineering stuff, not for me good to discover that before you wind up in an engineering program in college, or you are showcasing to a school, hey, I'm really good in math and science, and I know what I'm getting myself into with engineering. So you can write about it if they ask you kind of why engineering. But also they can see from this summer program you've done that you you know what you're getting yourself into. And as when I used to read files at Penn, that was, it certainly wasn't a requirement. But when I saw it, I knew, oh, this is a student who really does like engineering. And they, because they're talking about it, in a a, a really uh educated way like they know what they're getting themselves into or even if they're not i can see that they do know that because they've done this program so
2: i mean there's um, definitely
4: value in the failure there too like i had a yes. student who did an engineering program that's what they had been told by you know their friends peers parents that you're gonna be a great engineer and so they signed up for a summer program because it's not off that's not a typical class that's offered at your school right and they came back and they told me i'm interested in architecture. I just loved the buildings when I was there. It was like an amazing experience, but I don't want to do engineering. And so that's a great pivot because, you know, with a lot of architecture programs, there's a, there potentially could be a need for portfolio. And so now we could build out his next summer. Uh, Because he had crossed engineering off the list. I think that was the value for him.
1: Yes. And I love that too, that there is, there's so much value in knowing what you don't want in as much as it helps you get a little bit closer to what you might want. And like you said, he wasn't so focused on engineering, so he could explore a different area and also just not be like, well, I'm applying to engineering programs. Again, I'm always drawing on my own personal experiences, but my brother, good at math and science, applied to be an engineer, transferred out after two years of the engineering program into a different program. And I, I think this happens to a lot of students. So people are gonna tell you that you're gonna love something and be good at it. Try it out. <laughs> and test that hypothesis. And then you can say whether you actually love it. And even if you are good at it, if you hate it, then what good does that do you? Um, What about, you know, I think we hear a lot and think a lot about these programs as being sort of really selective, especially again, when my students are thinking about, oh, I want to do this program at this name brand institution, and it's at this name brand institution, therefore it's super selective. Um, And they're a little uh, upset to learn sometimes anyway, that it's not actually that selective. It's you can afford it and you are willing to apply and welcome aboard, right? So, but what's your take on summer programs and how selective they are? And, you know, are there any that are all that selective?
4: Yeah, I mean it's a great question. There are there are some that are selective programs. Usually they'll they will try to share that information with you up front and to mm-hmm. let you know, usually those ones tend to have earlier application deadlines, so you're looking into March, potentially even earlier than that depending on the program. But the vast majority are not necessarily selective. They may fill So they may put out a date that says, if you deposit by this deadline, we'll reserve your space in the program or we'll have space until it's filled. And so it may create that perception that it's a little bit more selective than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of these programs are, are simply there for the experience. And that's when I talk to students, you shouldn't be really thinking about summer as I need to get into this selective program. It should be about your personal growth and what are you going to get out of this program? And if that matches up with a super selective program and you feel like it's a great opportunity, awesome, go for it. And if you don't get it, there's going to be plenty of other opportunities that you can take advantage of over the summer. But, but there, there aren't a ton of those programs that where you really need to feel the need to complete everything early and get everything out, thing out the door. There's a lot of other, other places that students can land and get a great experience.
1: Yeah. I think that's super accurate. And what about for, because we've been talking about some of these programs that are expensive. What if, you know, I'm a parent, I'm listening, I don't have the money to pay for a summer program. Um, Is that going to put my student at a disadvantage when it comes time to apply to college?
4: Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I heard this year for the first time, 20 grand for a summer program, which (laughs) similar response to what I had. A lot of Um, money. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a ton of money. And obviously, from a college standpoint, you know, there's not an expectation that students and families are writing that check every year, especially with what the tuition and fees are going to be at most places. And so, really, schools value pretty much anything that you do. You know, if you have to be a student that's maybe nannying for your cousins for the entire summer. That's a lot of work working with little kids. I mean, that Mm -hmm. says something to an admission office that tells a story that you have developed patience, you know, that you are willing to work with children, that you're probably a good educator to some degree. Um, If nothing else, that you have immense patience uh, and and that you're also working and saving money potentially. Uh, You're helping the family out. If it's a non-paid gig, that's you know, that also tells an admission office something that you have that commitment to your family and you have that responsibility. So there are a lot of things that students can do. Obviously, there are paid jobs, there are unpaid internships. And so the, the dollar figure from an admission standpoint really doesn't have any impact on their decision making.
1: Yeah. And if anything, I think. You know, having the money to pay for an expensive program, almost it's sort of like, okay, great, you, your parents paid for this for you. Some of those opportunities that you find for yourself or where you're supporting someone in your family by taking, you know, they don't have to pay for... A babysitter, because you're doing that for your younger siblings, for example, um, that's going to shine a little brighter, in my opinion, than some of these really expensive, fancy programs that people do. Um, yeah,
4: they tend so, to be more interesting, at least. And as yes. you're building your own story, you know, you can say that I went to a program, and you really have to work to make that interesting. Like, what did you learn? Like, who did you interact with? Did you pick up something else from the program that now you're applying to your high school experience? But, but some of the more individual ones I think that helps the student build their narrative a lot easier
1: yeah so we have a few minutes left and I did want to I know that um you went to our team and and found some good stories about what are some summer things that students did that were you know just some good examples to share with our listeners
4: I mean, obviously the rock picking one. Yes, out for me. <laughs> that was a good one. If you're spending your summer going down the rows of fields, picking up rocks, so equipment doesn't get damaged like that, that demonstrates like hard work. Uh, obviously, you're probably working on your maybe fitness for an athletic program or something that you're gearing up for. Um, but I found that to be interesting, unique. Um, I think the story of a, a student who's working a campaign and the campaign has decided to move because they're. They're done with that particular region. the student hung on and grabbed 10 of his friends that were also working on the campaign and they fundraised for several weeks so they could move on to the next campaign stop. That tells a story that this kid is you know committed to this particular campaign about the issues uh, within the campaign and I found that you know pretty compelling. Now I have personal story I had a student who was uh, the family owned a Christmas tree farm and so over the summer that's when they, planted Christmas trees, and then they would, you know, take care of them and watch them grow. And then people would come and cut them down in the winter. And so his perspective was very different as far as that whole process. Mm -hmm. So I think that that spun a really good narrative and told a good story about him and family. And there's a lot of values that you can grab out of that. So those are some of the ones that I thought from the group that were, you know, more interesting.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great, and I think it's a good example of all the different things that um, you could do with your summer, all of them valuable in their own way. Really quickly, because we have about literally one minute, um, what are some resources, some people that students should talk to? I think we've man- I mentioned a couple, but any additional advice you would have about where to find opportunities?
4: Yeah, school counselors, great resource for anything local, that's an opportunity that they might already know and they may know you're a good fit for it. So definitely, you know, connecting with your school counselor. Volunteer Match is a great website that if, you know, wherever a student is nationwide, they can go in. If they're looking for a quick experience or a longer one, they can go in and find that information there. Obviously your personal networks, families, friends, coaches, teachers, um, administrators, anyone that's connected to you, they want to help you out. And so if there is an experience that they feel like matches your interests and helps build your story, They're going to work towards that. Um, And then obviously local, online, colleges, campus programs that are going to connect with students. Those would all be great opportunities for kids.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. And thanks to all my guests. Next week, Sally is hosting. And we're going to be focusing the entire show around community college, from one person's experience to financial benefits, academic opportunities. Um, And don't forget, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And we are here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific.